Welcome to Growing in Holiness, where we empower you to grow towards a deeper intimacy with God, while supporting you to cultivate a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Introducing your host, minister, biblical counselor, spiritual director, and coach, Ruth Conlon. Hi, good evening, everybody, and it's evening down here, um, five to six in the UK, and it's just an opportunity today. We're going to be searching ancient Christian wisdom, and one of the writers that really inspires me is A.W. Tozer, and um, I'm going to start this episode of actually going forensically through his book, so reading his book, but forensically, so that we can look at some of the um, foundations that he he kind of stands on based on biblical um, knowledge, and also looking at some of the the tools and the wisdom that we can actually use in our own lives and our own journeys. And so the book that I'm going to be exploring um, during these episodes with A.W. Toza is The Pursuit of God. And I must say, it is a book that has inspired me. It inspired me to write um, um, Pursuit Towards Deeper Intimacy with God because this and quite a few other books, which I'll be exploring as the weeks go by, have been something that have brought about, you know, a lot of inspiration and encouragement. And so I will try my best to read it slowly um, and then unpack it. And do feel free if at any time you feel you've heard something and you want to say something based on what you've heard or, or something that you were stirred, you know, if there's something that stirs you, that's why I love reading the saints of old is because I read their lives, I read their hunger for God, I read their thirst for God, I read about their complete abandonment to God. And I'm like, yes, Lord, that's exactly what I want. I I was I was born for more of that, more of chasing God in a totally abandoned way. And so Today, we're going to start with Pursuit. As you open the book, um, The Pursuit of God, one of the, the subtitle that you don't really see on the main part of the book is The Human Thirst for the Divine. I absolutely love that. I mean, there's no thrills. There's no excitement. It's just the human thirst for the divine, or as I would say, just the hunger for God, just that hunger for God, not the hunger for like, yeah, no, I want to hunger for you know, what God can do for me, or I want to hunger for the gifts that God has for me, or I want to hunger for the uh, assignment he has for me. And all of these are very important and they're good, but I have a hunger for God. And so let's see as we go on. We're going to start with the forward. Um, It says here, the pursuit of God was the fruit of A.W. Tozer's spiritual exploration into the essence of God's nature. What resulted from the efforts of this obscure pastor from south side of Chicago has left a profound mark on the evangelical church. The 1948 publication of this book thrust Toza into a respected position of spiritual leadership that he maintained for the remainder of his life. Toza's ministry became a spiritual oasis for those of the fellowship of the burning heart, to use a phrase he delighted in. 
I love the I love that phrase. I really do. And excuse me, I'm going to be stopping to just be commenting as I as I go on. But I love the phrase "the burning heart" because it just talks about that vibrancy, that vibrancy, that coming alive that we need to have as believers. You know, it's easy to say, you know, you know, and and we have those days. You know, I have seasons where I feel like, you know, I, I'm encountering the dark night of the soul or, or 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 feeling somewhat detached from God, but the ultimate aim is to keep this the, this burning heart the burning heart of love for god which you know kind of consumes us and then overflows into a burning heart for love for others and so i love that phrase i'm going to continue reading now i was 15 when i first discovered the pursuit of god i have read it 20 times or more each time i read it my soul is ministered to in a fresh way. The discovery of the pursuit of God also started me on a journey into the life of this intriguing man. Tozer's walk with God was a priority with him and he allowed nothing to interfere with it. Oh my goodness, I'm already starting to scream and we're just on the forward. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Tozer's walk with God was a priority with him. Oh my gosh. And he didn't allow anything to interfere with it. It's so interesting. The more and more I read men and women um, of God who, I mean, who were after the apostles, all of the, you know, the, the fathers of the faith and the, and the, and the, and the uh, mothers of the faith and their lives. And, and actually they encountered God. And when they encountered God, they were just abandoned. They were abandoned. Yes, they fell, but they were absolutely, they got up and they, they 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 pressed in and they had this kind of um this they had this kind of you know the only way I could describe it I remember when I was um quite young um and I my heart and my mind was just set I had goals and I was I was so relentless it was like a a dog with a bone you couldn't pull off the goals from me I was I was set I was set I was hungry and I just feel like when he's just you know Toza walked with God. Um, God's Tozer's walk with God was a priority with him and he allowed nothing to interfere with it. How how many of us can say that our walk with God is a priority? Our walk with God is such a priority that that we don't allow anything to to interfere with it. And when we look at the term walk, our walk with God is that that is it's the relationship we Let's not confuse work with walk, you know, you know, work is the, the assignment that we have, the call that we have and the, the destiny that we have in Christ to achieve. But walking with God is us drawing near to him and and um, and actually dwelling with him and, and becoming friends with God, becoming friends with God, knowing his ways, knowing his heart, you know, you in the Bible, it says that um, the, the Israelites and they knew his um, his his. His, they knew his hand. They knew what he could provide. They knew his provision. But um, Moses knew his heart. Do we know his heart? Do we walk with God? Do we prioritize engaging his heart beyond everything else? I mean, that's a lot. You know, <laughs> that's a lot. That's even a lot. Because if you think about it um, and you think about, you know, I, 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 one of the things um, if, during the lockdown period, where I was just absolutely burnt out. I was just, I had nothing left within myself. Um, and 
I was working, working, and I was still, you know, you know, I was still trying to maintain um, my prayer life, which for me, I believe I've been called as an um, intercessory missionary, which is my assignment. My first call is to, to pray. My first call is to, to seek his face. That's my first assignment. That is my life, to be able to, to make sure that I cultivate a life that is full of his presence. And I could see this conflict between the work I was doing and um, the God work in, in inverted commas that I was doing, the assignment that I was doing, which was encroaching on the peace that I needed to be able to be in a place where I was still enough to commune with him and still enough to abide. Um, and I got to the place where, you know, the joy had gone. I was exhausted. I, I mean, I, I was complete. I was constantly exhausted, constantly tired. Um, and constantly didn't have enough within myself to just um, engage God. And it's funny because even when you're depleted, people still seem to want more and still want to, they still, they, they still, they still kind of have this hope that this person that, you know, came through yesterday is going to have the, the strength to come through again today. Um, and for me, I had to resign from, 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 from the role. Um, uh, and, and I felt, I felt, I felt, somewhat guilty um i felt guilty because i felt like there was an expectation for me to deliver on a, 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 a in a certain way but then at the same time i felt free to worship can you imagine i felt like yeah now i could now i can actually do this i can actually put god as a priority and let nothing not even provision not even the expectation of how God's going to come through and provide for me. Just I could just live in a way that I could just be abandoned to him and abandoned to the pursuit with him. And, you know, I made that agreement with myself again that, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to allow anything to just detach me from my priority of pursuing God in a wholehearted way. I'm not going to let the job or the position or the money or the resources. I'm just going to pursue God because. I have this one life and this one life is his. Anyway, I'm going to continue. It says it was the basis of his attraction to the, to the Christian mystics. Their absorption in their daily practices of the presence of God was a stimulus for him. And he delighted in their spiritual fellowship. And this is one of the things that I've encountered as I'm reading the books. As I'm reading and studying the lives of, of the Christians that have gone before us, you know, because one of the things that I realize is it's so easy. You know, I was brought up in a, 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 a Pentecostal background. Um, uh, I was brought up in a Pentecostal background, but in the UK, the best schools are Catholic schools. And so we had to go to Catholic mass for like an hour, just because if you didn't go to the Catholic church, you couldn't get into the best school. So um, my great aunt, you know, bless her, would take us to about three churches on, on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> and um, in the midst of all of that, what I remember they used to say, they used to say to, you know, we used to, you know, we'd go to the um, um, to the Pentecostal church and they'll be like, oh, you know, um, the, the Catholic church is just as cold as their, their spirituality is just as cold as their building. And, you know, all of these foundational kind of criticisms that they had for the churches of old really kind of stuck with me growing up. Nevertheless, the, the more I journeyed on my own journey towards um, Christ and my own journey, you know, trying to have a deeper intimacy, not this kind of an outward relationship with God, but one where 
where I'm actually changing and transforming. I, the, the, the only people that really looked at Christian perfection um, as something that is required, that Christ-like transformation, were the mystics, were the, the saints of old. And when you go to the church, when the church started, um, and even it started in the West, you only had the Catholic Church and the church, the Orthodox Church. You didn't have the Methodists at that time. You didn't have the Evangelicals. You didn't have the Charismatics. You didn't have the non-denominational. You didn't have the Baptists. You didn't have the Pentecostals. It was the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church. And so one of the things that we, and yes, we know that, you know, you know, for want of a better word, we know that they, 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 they've diverted in many ways, but I mean, modern day Christianity has diverted in many ways as well. And one of the things that I, I, I really want us to open our minds to is that we shouldn't throw away the baby with the bathwater. We need to be able, it's like saying, oh, everything granddad did was useless. You know, he never did anything right. All of, it's like us saying that we're going to throw away our roots, our spiritual roots, because some of the functions and some of the, you know, worship of idols and images, have uh, they've taken it too far. Anyway, during my own kind of search for, for, shall I say heart transformation, you know, not, um, personality modification but that that inward change on the inside through my own search what I thought found was that you know when you go to the saints of old 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 you know um you know like some of the saints like some of the books that I have there they um they're it was in the year 600 and I read their stuff and I'm just there's some stuff that God still has to reveal to me because it's like we haven't even tasted half of what they're talking about. We get excited because of, like I said yesterday, we get excited at the appetizer. So, you know, we've got olives and we're literally making a whole religion, a whole <laughs> adoration and worship because we have olives and God's got like a whole big table set for us to encounter a greater measure of his glory. Well, these saints of old, they lived nearer to the table. And and so I you know I started to study their lives and study the way that they practiced, especially because I had to teach spiritual um um Christ formation transformation in in Bible college. Um, I started to study and I was intrigued because I I was intrigued more because I saw Adam in me. I saw so much sin inside of me that even if I tried to be good, it was still very much there. And I wanted to to see this Christ living in the spirit in its fullness and to see how that could bring about transformation. And so he was attracted to the Christian mystics and, and very much so, um, you know, these are the saints of old, the ones that would basically be seeking God. They would separate their lives. You know, they were OTTS. They would separate their lives from the world. They literally would cut themselves off. You know, when you even look at what there's some of the writings of um, St. Anthony, who was a desert father, they would go into the Egyptian wilderness and they would just set their lives into prayer, into solitude, into fasting. And they lived for Christ, literally. And I know, you know, we look at our lives and I mean, First of all, I don't know what I'm going to do in the desert. I'll be honest. And I, I, I know that I've sometimes daydreamed of having this <laughs> abandoned journey in the middle of um, 
in the middle of Egypt. But from my own experience, I remember when I wanted to, I remember when I was doing some missions and I was like, yes, I really want to live how these people live. I don't want to, let me just go to, um, I went to, um, I went to Nigeria for a while and I said, no, I don't want to go to the nice places. Let me go to where people are suffering. And the children were laughing at me. I mean, the children were laughing at me because I was crying because I just remember lying on a sheet and all I could see was like, all I could see was like, there was, it was, I was really in the slums. So all I could see was like rats crawling up the wall and, and lizards. And I was just a city girl where, I mean, flies i used to fight flies and so seeing that kind of thing i mean the desert sounds like a nice place but i know that if i was there someone would have to take me out after an hour because i'll probably not sleep and then i'll start crying so i mean they left their comfort they left their comfort because they felt that um the christendom and church as it was in their age they thought it was too worldly and they thought that it had become such a popular Christianity in their day was so popular that they 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 thought that it had been watered down. So they wanted to separate themselves so that they could live a life that was truly glorifying to God. I'll continue with him here. It says their absorption in the daily practices of the presence of God was a stimulus for him. And he delighted in their spiritual fellowship. He could forgive anyone almost anything if he discovered they had a pure intent towards God. Mm, a pure intent towards God. I wonder what does that look like? A pure intent towards God. Dr. Toza's prayer life was quite remarkable. Oh, wow. I'm already, my heart is already burning here. Oh, Dr. Toza's prayer life was quite remarkable. His regular habit was to sprawl on his study floor, face down and worship God. Often, according to his own testimony, he would lay in silent, wordless worship of God, un usually oblivious to his surroundings. Such prayer and worship marked the foundation of his study and preparation for public ministry. I'm already stirred. This is, this is stirring me. Um, and I mean, probably what is stirring me is the fact that they've said here that... Um, Dr. Toza's prayer life was quite remarkable and um, it's stirring me because of the significance, the significance that prayer plays in our lives and the significance it plays in, in our assignment and our union with God and how, how, you know, how we align ourselves with him. And I just, he, most of the time when we look at men and women of God, who have gone before us. There have been men and women of prayer. There have been men and women that have been dedicated to the worship of God in an absolutely in an abandoned way, you know. Um, and also, I liked the part where they said that he, um, he laid silent, wordless worship um, of God. And I think, I remember there was a year where God said to me that he doesn't want me to speak. And I was like, really like I'm going to stay up all night praying in silence what am I going to be doing and um, the Holy Spirit said that the words are just for me and it was actually in that six months I had an encounter with him that I, I, I just can't even begin to explain but the weight of his glory and his presence entered the room um, and I think there's something really lost about 
silence and solitude in our generation, that time of actually stepping away and stealing time away just to be with God, not even to talk, just to rest in his presence. And just, you know, there's a there's a healing that takes place when we, first of all, we take away all of the external distractions, the, the noise. You know, if you're in your house and you're sometimes trying to be silent, you know, the kitchen starts to have a bit of a conversation with you in your silence and the clothes and all of the things that you need to do starts to start saying, okay, so when are you going to do this? You've got to do this. Oh, don't forget to post this. But, you know, if you can go to a place that's quiet, a retreat where you're able to just be, you're just able to be a child of God, you know, and rest in the presence of God and just allow his, just allow the stillness to, to, to bring about healing, healing the chaos, healing the distraction, healing the, the busyness and the um, the things that just keep us so preoccupied. You know, it says here, the desire to worship God and to inspire others to a deeper awareness of God are clearly evident in the pursuit of God. For the person thirsting for the things of God without distracting blemishments, this book will become a faithful companion. There are some books that can be enjoyed with one reading others are enhanced by many readings the pursuit of god is one of the latter reverend james sillard march 1993 okay now i'm going to be reading toza's legacy ah oh, toza's legacy quietness of soul the fruit of truly seeking god is seldom found in the 20th century Christians. Let's say that one again. Quietness of soul, the fruit of truly seeking God, is seldom found in the 20th century Christians. Mm. Mm. This is so good. You see, there's a. it's so funny because... It's so funny because as I was saying, when I was growing up, the quietness and the stillness wasn't something that we kind of celebrated as a as an act of worship or an act of encountering God. It had to be. In, in fact, the louder it was, the better, <laughs> you know, the louder it was, the better. But I remember going through a traumatic season of my own. And as I encountered I needed I was in the city and I just for some I just felt like going into the the to the rural areas I just needed grass I needed water I just needed that level of stillness and it was just that I needed to be still um and you know it's so good because we see in in Psalm 20 Psalm 23 that um let me just read it the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me look he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Hmm. Just even, just, you know, even just the fact that he leads me beside, he, he lays me down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. And so when we hear this bit here where it says, quietness of soul is the fruit of truly seeking God. Because when we, 
encounter God in that, that place of stillness, when we encounter God in that place of solitude, in that place of silence, um, there's something that happens to us. There's a transformation that happens to us. I know when I, I, I steal away and I go um, to be by myself, the first things that starts to happen is that there's a detachment. All of the things that are stuck onto my heart, like the offenses that are stuck onto my heart, the pressure, the the deadlines and all of these things that just kind of squeeze the the joy of the Lord and the presence of um, his grace in my life. They just start to drop. They start to become meaning. They're like tree. They're like leaves on a tree. They just start to drop off. That's how when I go into solitude, they start to drop off. And then when I go into silence, what happens is we actually invite the Holy Spirit. We are inviting the Holy Spirit to be able to to, to refresh our souls, to, to be able to quiet every storm that we may be encountering, you know, the turbulence and the, 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 the demands, the expectations, the, the you know, my mum complains, she's like, oh, I, every day I'm having to, having to plan how I'm, what food I'm going to be cooking and, you know, <laughs> and all of these agendas that people have and, you know, those with children who have to plan and organise and, um, and, all of these things, when we go to that place of stillness, when we go to that place of solitude, when we go to that place of quiet, the, the quiet and the silence, it actually washes away. It washes away those strains. It washes away the heaviness. It washes away the expectations. It actually brings you to a place of refreshing and it brings you to a place of freedom and a place where actually the Holy Spirit has the time and the access to be able to minister hope and healing to your soul. Um, and I really, really, you know, I really recommend the quietness as, as a good place to really um, discern decisions. Don't make decisions and life-changing um, um, decisions when you're going through chaos because you need to be able to discern if you're doing it from a place of I'm just tired, I'm exhausted, or if you're making that um, decision being your best you, you know, are you making that decision from this place of quietness where, you know, the quietness, God's brought peace and stillness to your soul and you're making decisions from a healthy spiritual place, or are you making decisions from a place of I'm tired I'm exhausted I'm just going to make this decision because I need to make decisions um you know we need to be still and not make those decisions and just take that time out for God to bring stillness to our souls don't don't follow the trends don't follow the ideas and the the methodologies that people are doing because we have to we have to be free to be able to worship thank you for listening and spending time I'm just going to pray and um close father we just thank you lord you are everything you are just so nice thank you that you even open our eyes even in the midst of the noise you're still calling us you're still wooing us you're still saying that i've got more i am more you are all that we need and father god i pray that we'll get to that place where we are just satisfied with you lord that we will we will not we will not follow the crowd we will not follow the noise dear lord but father god we will just follow your spirit your gentle spirit as you continue to guide us and lead us into that narrow path that leads to life dear lord that we will re remain steady we will remain steadfast dear lord and we will be remain 
rooted and grounded in you. Lord, I pray for each of us that you will just reveal the thorns that are choking out your life in us, Lord. Open our eyes and help us to examine, Father God, what are the thorns that are squeezing out your you're working in our hearts. What are the, the the worries that we are worrying about in this life? And Father God, what are the things that we're chasing that you you would rather us just rest and depend on you for, dear Lord? I pray that in this hour you just show us and you guide us and you just be with us always. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, Lord, thank you, Lord. I just I just speak peace over you right now. I just speak peace, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will just rest, rest and abide with you. And that that even your 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 thoughts that may be scattered, that you it would just be it would just be stilled and focused on him. That as you set your heart, as you set your mind, and as you set your spirit on him in a wholehearted way, that even those cares and worries, they will drop off and he will just make a way where there's no way. Not because you fought for it, but because you trusted him to be a, the good, good father who is a good provider and who is faithful to the end. So, Father, well, we just thank you because you are consistent. You are consistent. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you all. It's just been a pleasure. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm just going to go and... Um, I'm going to do something and I'm going to come back and continue. So you guys stay blessed. Thank you for joining us this week on Growing in Holiness. This podcast was brought to you by Pursuing Holiness. Stay connected by visiting our Facebook page, Pursuing Holiness Daily, or our website, www.pursuingholiness.org, where you can subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Ruth Conlon is available for biblical counseling or coaching. For further information, send a message on Facebook. Welcome to the journey. We are stronger together.